What's going on, everyone? Welcome back for another episode of Vinyl Divers. I'm your host, Anthony Mullen, and woo, I got a fun episode. We have a special guest this episode. Uh, I'm going to get right into it. He is a friend of mine that met about four years ago when the back when Back Issues comic book podcast first started. Like If you go way back, you find like episode seven. And we had him on as a guest with Brandon. We actually hope both him and Brandon were both a guest. And instant just like minds. Uh, we went to Niagara Falls Comic Con together. I think we were reviewing that. The following episode, we reviewed our experience at Niagara Falls Comic Con back in the day. And then he ghosted on me. I don't know where he went. It was just like, hey, did you hear that he moved? And I was like, wait, what? He's gone? You just see him pop up on Facebook every now and then. You're just like, oh, that's cool. I'm glad he's still he's he's alive. That's awesome. Good for him. I'm happy. And then the other day, Chris was like, hey, he's back in town. I'm like, yeah. He goes, yeah. And I got a <clears throat> from Chris. I got a message saying, uh, you know, who wants to come on the show. Come on, Vinyl Divers. And I'm like, that would be fucking awesome. So I hit him up and we got him on. And my guest for you today is a scholar of music, a modern-aged wise man, Jim Clark the Third. Yeah, that's all bullshit, right? <laughs> 100% made up. None of it is true. I don't know shit about music, except that I listen to it. But yeah. Other than that. Yeah. That's it. So so welcome on. Thank, thank you. you. Thank you, dude. It's 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 uh it's great to be back. We just had that crazy cold blast come through mm-hmm. uh through the western New York area and after uh after sunshine and uh bright skies for four years and when back was... to that, holy crap. <laughs> when was the last time you had a snowstorm like that hit you? Uh okay. I don't remember I don't think it was last year, I think it was the year before Christmas of uh maybe twenty seventeen, maybe twenty sixteen. Supposed to fly back to L.A., leaving Buffalo after Christmas. My flight gets canceled because of a big snowstorm. Oh, that's so, the worst. So, I got to rush all the way out to the Rochester airport to get on a flight to get back home. Which is an I just day. barely made it. I was running through the terminal. And I was the last one on the plane. It was bad. It's like, hold the flight. Yep. Don't board. <laughs> oh, man, that that's crazy. But yeah. So, that was it. So, after that, you are like, F that. I don't want to deal with that again. Yeah, and look, and I moved back, so look how well yeah. that happened. We know cold. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, when I when I heard that you wanted to be on the episode, I reached out to see what kind of episode, what album we wanted to do. Mm-hmm. And because you're a guest, I was like, I want you to pick. You know, uh, I, I was going to do a first impression. And the way I do first impressions is that I get an album or – a CD or a recommendation. And I literally, I don't listen to it beforehand. Originally I was going to review, we were going to review it together in the sense that we both listened to it. It came with notes. And then Chris suggested, why don't you do it as a true first impressions and not, and you know, record fresh. So that's what we did. Mm-hmm. Um, you gave me a good list of a couple different bands. Yeah. I think I told you, uh, the new, uh, the new Mumford and Sons Delta. I haven't heard that. Um, yet. the Muse album, uh, simulation theory. I haven't listened to Muse. Uh, it's a really good one. It, it's like, if you like the '80s, dude, and all that, like, and not, and I, and I, and when I say that, I don't just mean like '80s music. If you like the '80s, like fucking movie soundtrack type shit, 
listen to that album. Oh, really? It's it's great. It's phenomenal. It's great. Great. All right. I can give that a check out. I like kind of I, I like to pair albums with feelings and vibes mm-hmm. rather i mean i like albums just because of bands but the way you connect to music is if you can create a, mo- a memory emotion something deeper with it yeah. yeah and i think the album you brought today was i think that just created just an experience yeah uh we got it's the band is it just pronounced p it's just p p the letter p with their album self-titled p I didn't know this beforehand. You you knew you saw it was a cover. But that uh, was Yeah, well the album has uh two cover songs. Alright, so we got two cover songs on this album. Uh that was a, the the way they opened that was with I Save Cigarette Butts. Mm-hmm. How did you get this album? Was this your first exposure to it or did you hear something like a hit from it and then you heard that? Uh you mean the album in general? Yeah, the album in general. Alright, so my experience was when I was um I like to back back when I was still living in Buffalo before I'm a lot moved. Um, I used to love discovering new kinds of music, right? And I'm a huge Johnny Depp fan. Okay. Okay. So I started going through and I started looking at you know getting into his music because obviously everybody knows Johnny Depp is a an actor. Mm-hmm. Okay? I know that. But before he got into acting, before he did anything, he wanted to be a musician. And he actually uh, he was in a band uh, in Florida, and they moved to Los Angeles uh, to you know, climb the ladder to stardom and, and do something with their music. Um, unfortunately, it never took off. He got into acting. and um, So anyway, long story short, I was getting into Johnny Depp, found some recordings of uh, the, that band, the kids, uh, what it was uh, the original name of the band. Then uh, I came across this album because he is uh, he's one of the members of the band. Um, he's the guitarist and the bassist. Um, him and uh, one of the other guys switch off guitar okay. bass. That's but, pretty cool. Yeah. So did you find this song is the is this the the song that you found first? Uh not really. I don't think there was really a particular song that I found first. I think it was more so just the album. And when I find um what I like to do is I'll download a whole album and I'll listen to the album in order. Um cuz personally I think that's how the an album is supposed to be listened to. Mm-hmm. Um I mean yeah, I'll hit shuffle on my on my phone and listen to music but you, you the first time listening to an album i really think it should be listened to from the beginning to the end straight through i think that's one of the reasons i love vinyl so much is that yeah. you don't pick up and hit uh go to individual hits on a full mm-hmm. album yeah you, yeah 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 you can't you gotta you gotta listen to it straight through and that's how mm-hmm. it should be that's how it should be because there's a reason they pick the order that everything in the album gets put on the album mm-hmm. there's a reason they do that um so yeah i found it through the album um this just happened to be the first song on the album uh, titled uh, I Save Cigarette Butts, which we mentioned is a cover of a song. Mm-hmm. It's a cover of... Um, so after we listened to the whole album, we actually went back through and and we listened to the original co- the originals of the two covers. And the original artist was Daniel Johnston. I've never heard of him before. Yeah, I have never heard of him before this either. 
Um, and I don't expect a lot of people to, unless you're very specific on your music choices. Um, I guess from what I, well, I'll say of that is that I, fo- I understand and have a better grasp of this album after hearing his original version. I think it was Chris brought it up, or maybe it was you, that the original of the original of the song is very much that experimental um, lo-fi you guys described it, where it's probably like mm-hmm. he self-recorded bits and pieces. And the way it's put together, you can see that that's how a lot of this album sounded. Oh yeah, and you like like the original by by uh, by Brian Johnston is, for lack of better terms, bizarre. It, mm-hmm. When I when I first listened to it, I was getting like really creepy vibes, dude. I'm like, this is some like, and I don't mean anything about any against anybody, but this is some like creepy serial killer shit, dude. It was bizarre, but interesting nonetheless, uh, and I can see where. You know, like I said, there's a reason they put everything on the album in this particular order, okay? Mm-hmm. This song, if you knew the original and where this song came from, that set up the tone of the album. Mm-hmm. It really did. Um, because the album is a very experimental at times, very, um, I'd say, mainstream, like, 90s at other times. Um, I mean, yeah. it sounded like a jump. I'll give it five different genres I heard. Mm-hmm. And... Uh, Maybe I guess maybe we'll go into more of it. Overview of the album. You want to go into it right now? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Go ahead. For Let, an, you're, you, you just listened to the album for the first time ever today, okay? I've been listening to this album for so many years. What's your first impression of it? My first impression, I think I it clicked. I clicked it. Is that this is this album is the uh, quint uh, the most purest way per the most precise way to describe an ex- experimental project. Mm-hmm. You have. Four musicians that are in a creative outlet that maybe they're not the best as a musician, but they are creative as hell. And they're like, well, we all play instruments. We all can, we all can play together. We jam pretty tight. Let's see what music we can make. Mm-hmm. They didn't play to any specific genre throughout the entire album. It jumps between almost like a blues grass, jumps into this blue, um, like almost like a blues shuffle at one point. It goes into, um, it has a reggae type feel. They have this alternative grunge rocky sound this mm-hmm. pop 90s push it was very much all over the place but each song was good in its own right yeah i would never put this together on a playlist except for this album mm-hmm. like mm-hmm. this it's weird because this set of songs i don't think should feel good together yeah and it's like i said it's it's a strange album man it's just like this one shot they never did anything else after this day they, they the album was released in 95 and the first time they ever played together publicly was in 93. So they had this little bit of buffer time before the album came out. But, I mean, it's, you know, like I said, it's just this really one weird offshoot of, like, a couple famous people, some actors, some musicians. It's just really weird but interesting. And it's a great, great album. Yeah, man. Um, you you went through and you actually found more of a history base for it. So Oh, dude, I... For this whole album, like... Like I said, when now, I was younger, I used to love discovering new music and i would do my research who's the artist where does this come from mm-hmm. what's it about right and i don't know dude there's just a lot to this album but kind of you kind of get there through the music if you know the history behind some of this stuff that i'm gonna you know i'm gonna explain mm-hmm. and, and mention um you can see it through the album mm-hmm. very clearly um is there a certain song on this album before you've when you were first listening is there a certain song on this album that you loved right off the get-go that it caught your attention um, 
I know you kind of have a narrative I mean, after of... like my first my first listen through. Yeah, first heard, yeah, probably Michael Stipe, and that's by far hands down the most popular mm-hmm. song off the um off the album. Very um, nice. But I want to get into that later. Okay, that, that opens up a whole other can of worms. So, <laughs> but yeah, that one. Um, and and really the um the the more tame mainstream type songs because it it go. I didn't at the time. I didn't really listen to like Pearl Jam. I knew of Pearl Jam. I knew mm-hmm. of Nirvana, but I didn't really listen to them. I didn't give them a, a listen to right. And so this was kind of like my first delve into that type of music because some of these songs i feel like go along the lines of that type of like grunge style you could see that these guys if they played a show they weren't playing on a stage because mm-hmm. if they if this was meant to be for them to play in some auditorium dim lit some basement type like mm-hmm. hole in the wall show like this yeah. is where oh, they're yeah. going to be playing yeah 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 for sure they're playing yeah. at a dive bar and it's not odd that they are you're like all right cool mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And, and i mean if you look at the history of the people involved well, like, okay Members of the yeah. band, Johnny Depp, like I said. Um, the lead singer is uh, Gibby Haynes from the Butthole Surfers. Mm-hmm. Um, the uh, – uh, sorry, that was really loud. Uh, Sal uh, Jenko is, uh, was on the percussion. He was also an actor. He was a friend of Johnny's. Um, was on uh, 21 Jump Street. He had a, um, a one-time role on um, – uh, what's the name of that show? Um, uh, the Wonder Years. Um, so he was kind of a, a little actor. And then the other guy's name is, uh, Bill Carter. And he was the other guy, uh, him and Johnny switched off between, uh, guitar and bass on some of the songs. Mm. Um, and he was also, a, um, a musician and a songwriter. And he wrote, um, some songs that were done by the, uh, uh, Stevie Ray Vaughan and Counting Crows. Now, I know you're, you went into, you've dabbled into, you've went in, you, you've acted, you've been in. Well, I mean, I mean, I don't know, I don't know how to say it, but. I, you you're a fan of of uh, theater and art and acting and, and film and yes. film. So you're a fan of film, mm-hmm. and I'm I'm a fan of film in the sense of I like a lot of popular movies and I can have an appreciation, but I don't delve in and study the actors and the mm-hmm. that mm-hmm. side of it. And I feel like that that is that's something you're into. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Did you know these actors and? Did you know these band members when you first found the band, or was it uh, you just knew Johnny Depp? No, I knew um, – I didn't know his name, uh, Gibby Haynes. Mm-hmm. I knew who the butthole surfers were a little bit. Um, okay. I didn't know who Gibby Haynes – I didn't recognize the name until I you know, did a little bit more investigating. Uh, but obviously I knew who Johnny Depp was. Uh, the other two guys I didn't really know. Seljenko Sel is a – it's a name that's familiar to me. I don't remember where I heard it first. I don't – I didn't know who he was, but it is a familiar name. Um, and then the other guy – uh, Bill Carter, I've never heard of outside of this mm-hmm. album. Now, did you do you know how they st- how they came together? Um, well, like I said, Johnny knew Sal, mm-hmm. uh, Jenko. Um, so that's how they knew each other. Um, Johnny Depp, just being Johnny Depp, like I said, he wanted to be a musician, mm-hmm. so he knew um, he knew uh, you know quite a few of you know the young people in Hollywood in in Los Angeles. Uh, both music scene and both you know film side so he knew people and he just met you know like-minded people that shared the same interests as him and wanted to do the same shit as him and they just did it um there there's a whole backstory kind of i don't get too much into that but that that, that'll come with that other song michael stipe okay Yeah. yeah all right um so let's go through the first so we didn't find there's the thing is we listened we didn't have a vinyl of this You've said that there's, there is a vinyl that's available. Yes, you can't. I uh, I, I bought the uh, the CD. Um, 
I have the CD, but the uh, there is a vinyl. It's a clear yellow plastic vinyl. Uh, you can get it. I've seen it. I don't know, fifty dollars to two hundred and fifty dollars online eBay. I don't have a copy of it. I haven't found a copy of it, nor have I really had the urge to go online and order mm-hmm. it that badly yet. But I mean, it honestly for how much I like the album and the fact that because of who the artists are, I understand why it probably is a little bit more pricier and the fact that mm-hmm. it's not well known. So if there is a pressing, it's probably a limited time. So what you got is yeah. what you got. Yeah. So well, I understand the pricing like that. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, it's, yeah. And it, and it's a cool little, like uh like um, collector's thing. If that was the type of the shit you were into in the nineties, mm-hmm. you know, if you followed these people and like their, their, um, their underground stuff that they did, this mm-hmm. is just a cool little like memento out of like that part of like, small corner of music history like if you happen to catch that wet if you happen to catch it while it happened you mm-hmm. got it and it was like sweet yeah yeah exactly yeah besides that you're hunting for it you're look you're this is if this is your album this is like your holy grail that you're like you're yeah. looking for this yeah um so basically we didn't get it we didn't get to go through side a or side b what we did is we found it on youtube um let's actually talk about so if you want to find this album on youtube it's just the band P and the album art is it's uh, it's basically all like homemade art by Gibby Haynes. Gibby mm-hmm. Haynes did all the artwork for it. And it's just a uh, multicolored, I'd say uh tie dye ish with the letter P on it with, uh, he's got a mouth and two weirdly shaped eyes oh, and his arms person. are out throwing some dice. Yeah. It's weird. Oh, it kind of looks like a um kind of Picasso ish kind. Yes. I can. Yeah. Like I could not even being funny. Like really? Yeah. yeah. It kind of looks like a Picasso chalk p yep yeah yep but like i said gibby haynes did it all he did all the artwork it has the uh uh has all four of their pictures on it uh the band members and he he did that it's weird the cd cover is uh the cover of the cd is actually um a a sunny side up egg so yeah it's really interesting so i will say that if you want to listen to this album i'll recommend uh go on out to youtube and you can find it that way and the way we recorded the way we listened to is that we just kind of took it on youtube and we just played through the entire time and in between songs because you brought the cd mm-hmm. um we just looked at the backtrack and titles and we looked at it in person that yeah. way so that's how we're going to be talking about the music that's how we looked at it and um, oh, to, to add on to that it's yeah it's a very very hard album to come by i don't know if you can really find it for download um really anywhere online um i did see a couple copies of the cd up on ebay today i saw like one or two copies of the vinyl um i found it on pandora but i didn't try to play it on there mm-hmm. and it was kind of hard to kind of difficult to find on there itself so good luck uh, i didn't find that on spotify it's not on itunes nope. nothing can't find it anywhere and uh, it's so it was very so even when i first so the way we got to this album is that i started to listen to the first song yesterday and i kind of listened to the second one and i was like oh shoot i'm in for a great album and then chris gave me the idea to not listen to anything yet until today so there we are today. Um, we just played it. It's really good. Yeah. After yeah. the first track, um, it came up with, I think, was it after Zing Splash? Mm-hmm. There's this breakdown where people start talking. And it, I can't remember exactly what they were saying because at times it sounds like the vocals are very muted and very low. Mm-hmm. And yeah. the music's overpowering and it's hard to understand what they're saying. Yeah. But like you had said later in the album, there's parts where you, they make sure you hear it. 
Yeah. Oh, yeah. There, there, there's specific parts of, you know, because, uh, like I said, a couple of the songs are that, like, that 90s grunge type, right? Mm-hmm. Um, a little bit more on the soft side. But, and then some of the other songs are just, like, hardcore experimental. And this comes back to that song, uh, I Save Cigarette Butts. Because if you listen to the original one, it's so experimental. This guy was 20 years old and, like, did it on a tape in his basement in front of his piano. Like, it's that type of experimental. Mm-hmm. It's really, really, like, lo-fi. It really is, like, low-quality and um, so some of the songs, it's difficult to hear exactly what they're saying with the lyrics, mm-hmm. but they, like I, like, like you were saying, they have specific spots um, where you can hear what they're saying. Um, Zing Splash is one of those where he's, uh, where his, um, Gibby Haynes says some really bizarre things. And even like, uh, even the lyrics throughout, like the, um, the last song, The Deal, the last song on the album, it, the lyrics don't really like make too much sense if you just look at them as lyrics you gotta like really just like let the music take you Mm -hmm. and just experience it as like an angry fucking 18 year old in the 90s jamming out with his fucking friends in the garage and like oh i'm fucking pissed off at my mom and why is there fucking lipstick on the dog you know what i mean it felt very much like they they painted almost a kind of a scene with Mm -hmm. their lyrics like you weren't getting one. You were getting a full picture, but you didn't. You weren't fed it like a normal song, where it's like this is what's happening. Yeah, it's yeah, like yeah. they were throwing at this, throwing at that, throwing at one. And when you looked at it from afar, you're just like, oh shit! Like you got a capsulated mm-hmm. picture. Yeah, yeah, it's it's bizarre at some points. Yeah, it just really is, and incomprehensible and bizarre, strange. So, what's one of your favorite songs on this album? Uh, I um, that you want to that. Hmm. So usually what the way we'll do it is that I'll pick one or two songs off each side, but because it's my first impressions and I haven't been able to like listen in depthly to it to give like true full hard hard opinions and like bring knowledge about what I think about it, I can like, give my my impressions. Mm-hmm. But from being able to listen to this for five X six seven years, years, how yeah. many years? Um. Well, let's talk about the other. Um cover song on the album okay okay because oh. that, that's that's one of one of my favorite songs in the album um uh that was the name of it they uh, dancing queen dancing queen. they cover dancing queen um and they do a they do a very very good job i think of sticking to the original but making it their own Here, like let, let's let him hear it real quick I love that cover. <laughs> I, love I don't it. know why. I love the original. I love the cover. It's great. I said for, I wasn't a big fan of ABBA growing up. It's slowly growing on me, but that song, like, I love that cover. I DJ, so I, I really want to fuck with the dance card and throw that at him yeah. and see how it plays. I think it may fit okay. Because like I said, it, if you're not paying very close attention, you might get confused. It, it, it sounds it, – <laughs> they paid really good – like I said, they paid really good homage to the original – uh, but then, like I said, they made it their own. And when I hear this song, and when I when I listen to it, and Gibby Haynes starts singing, but he sounds like this like this young kid, 
and this is their prom and his band's playing the prom. I picture Marty McFly on the stage playing the guitar at his parents' dance. You know, it's that, it's that kind of quality. And he's sing his, his, his voice sounds like that. It sounds like the high school band. Mm-hmm. Perfect. I think that's a great way to sum up his sound on that. Yeah. It sounds very much high school prom band that we're not the best, but Hey, we enjoy what we're doing and we're going to do a fun spin on a classic that everyone loves. So you hear the song, you're like, Oh, I like the song, but something's different about it. Yeah. Um, I'm really, I like how, even how they still have the disco drum, the, the boom kick in the background with the snare. Like mm-hmm. you still had this like disco dance. Like that's the thing. Like I could play it at a wedding or I could, I could fit that into a party somewhere. Cause I feel like people would still dance to it. But the beginning with the slow, uh, just guitar and even like the sitar ish. The piano's there. Or the, is it maybe the piano? That's what I'm hearing, but it almost feels like there's a twanging. Oh, yeah. That, no, I'm talking about like that, that, da 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 da. Yes. The piano piece. That's so like iconic for, for that song. So and they kept like, like I said, they, they captured the original really well. Mm-hmm. Really um, well. I don't, I'm, I mean, I love covers, but that was very different, very experimental. Um, that was. Yeah, that was a good one. Yeah, I don't know where to go after after that one. Uh, well, like I said, like a few of these songs are more along the lines of like that that mainstream almost grunge. So you mm-hmm. have, uh, you have Michael Stipe, like we mentioned. You have Dancing Queen. Mm-hmm. Um, the last song, um, the Deal, which I mentioned. Um, yes, there's this other song, Diane. Um, that's more, uh, like that that mainstream grunge type of sound, like the kids playing in the garage. Um. And then, you know, you have the more experimental songs like uh, like Zing Splash, which is the one we mentioned where they have the um, those bizarre moments of, what the hell, did he really just say what I think he said? You know, and and um, like Oklahoma is more of a, um, when I hear Oklahoma, the song Oklahoma, I think of the band at the biker bar. Do we have, can we play a clip of, of Oklahoma? All right. But yeah, I, I, I picture like the band at the biker bar, like everybody's hanging out at the bar in their leather vests and here's the band up on the, on, on mm-hmm. the stage. It's got that like, I, I mean, you can even tell by the song. It, it's pretty obvious. I'm not like pulling this out of left field. Like they even have like the, um, the sound of like almost like a motorcycle revving or something like that. So it pretty clear of what it is, but mm-hmm. it's good. It's really good. Here, let's give a clip of it right now. It's got it's got a very ZZ Top sound. Yes, yes, perfect. Yeah, yep. That was uh, definitely. So it's funny because it's very hard when uh, I'm trying to think about the individual songs on this album because everyone's to jump so back and forth. So I'm trying to like, all right, yeah. which one's which? So when I heard, I was like, oh, I was like, oh yes, I remember this one. It's got a very much. I see. It, I see it. The uh, biker bar. Mm-hmm. Like, and like I said, they don't. It's not hidden in there. It's very obvious. You Very can hear what they're playing. Yeah. So I guess more or less maybe what this experiment was is them trying to play songs of bands that they, they liked and they were 
were reminded of. Mm -hmm. It's like, I can see them be like, oh, maybe Johnny Depp was listening to ZZ Top and came in to play with the guys the next day. And he's like, hey, look what I thought of to play in. Mm -hmm. I can see that's how something like this maybe was brought up because it's so much like a mirror Uh that it's just like it had to be directly influenced of that of that style of music yeah and the guitar though is even jamming and rocking because it changes so differently that if you we just listen to dancing queen mm-hmm. their version yeah. of dancing queen, which is yeah. very soft very subtle slow it even has that kind of disco kind of shuffle to it still but then this is very just boom no rock and roll biker it's got the mm-hmm. ripping vocals and you even hear the guitar like different settings completely and if you like listen it, to it if you listen to the album straight through um mm-hmm. Oklahoma plays, and then it goes to um, goes to Dancing Queen. So that you that, that song plays, and then Dancing Queen. It's like this this strange juxtaposition between each other, mm-hmm. against each other, but it works and it's great, and you love it for that, you know. And then you you do a song, and then you go to a song like um, uh, White Man Sings the Blues, which I think we have as well. <laughs> Like it's so dirty, and it, it's it, yeah, so and it goes it goes from it goes from ZZ Top to ABBA to blues, and it's just like if, you, if I was list, like I remember listening to it first because you're like oh oh dip and you're like oh wait we're back here and you're like oh okay like this is different again this is a completely different change mm-hmm. but still good and like those three songs in a row demonstrate how I think this album. You wouldn't you wouldn't go out of your way to put a mix like this these songs together because well, there's there's two other songs in between it goes it goes uh, from Oklahoma to Dancing Queen and there's two other songs and then uh, White Man plays oh, it breaks away that yeah yeah and 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 through there it goes through some like psychedelic stuff and, and you know they touch on you know they have hints of Pink Floyd in there and it's just kind of like all over the place and it's just friends who got together and we're like fuck it let's just jam and fuck it. We we know the people. Let's just put out an album. And this make is one some of, money. This is one of the bands where you like the band for the band, not mm-hmm. just because of their music. Yeah, because the music yeah. is like it's like four or five different bands. Mm-hmm. It sounds like. And and I imagine like if you were getting into this band when they were first coming out in in ninety three, and when the uh, album first came out in ninety five, you you came to the band because of who the band people were. Mm-hmm. This wasn't a band that came out and then you learned who they were. You already knew who they were, and they were already well uh, established people in the entertainment industry. Mm-hmm. So it's it's not like oh come and meet us. This is like we've been here, we've been other places, and now we're coming together. And it's more like you could you're you could see that they're you can see that this is just. It's not something brand new to them. This is just another form of their creative yeah. work. Yeah. Like this, if you're a fan of their art and their film, mm-hmm. well, this is their music too. You you probably will like it also. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because it's just if if you follow them that hardcore and you like know the type of person they mm-hmm. are, you know, this is just a reflection of that and who they were at the time. This is like I said, this is just friends hanging out making making music. They're like, all right. Everybody get together at, at Johnny's house on Friday night. We're just going to jam. And they came up with some cool shit, and they're just playing around, man. They got, had nothing better to do. Let's play Let's play guitar until fucking 2 a.m. Johnny's got to be to set at 6, and that's their fucking life. 
You know, they don't have any other responsibilities besides that. I mean, so the, these four guys, were they were a set band before they became famous? Before they all got big? Uh, or did they? Well, no, Johnny Johnny Depp was no, already they, big. The Butthole Surfers, I can't remember when they were hitting it big or anything like what that. What I'm saying is, they all got big at, individually, and then they came together. Yes, 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 yes. So this is purely, this is not like, oh, hey, let's all get back together again. This is just five friends that, or four friends that are at this cat that are, that are just famous and like they just happen to just meet up on yeah. accident. Yeah, their paths just crossed at the right time. They were all thinking on the same wavelength and, and just recorded some shit. Oh my god, I can only imagine what it would have been like to be in the room when they're like, "Hey, do you play guitar?" Yeah, I used to be in a band. No shit. Well, like how? Let's let let's go into it. Okay, let's right. dive into the rabbit hole here. Okay. All right. Track number three, Michael Stipe. Okay, I think we have this one as well. I finally talked to Michael Stipe He touched me on my arm I met him up in the Hollywood Hills among the movie and TV stars I finally met old Michael that day I met the girl in the video So I know you know the history for the whole song, but for me coming into, I didn't know who Michael Stipe was. So who is he? If we can let our, uh, view, the listeners know, if you don't know who he is, he's the singer for... R.E.M. R.E.M. Yes. All right. Go on. Okay. <laughs> so Michael Stipe. Obviously, is about the musician, okay? Obviously, somebody they knew. They knew people. They knew everybody who was young coming up in the industry, okay? So, this is, like I said, this was their the, the most popular song off of this album. It got so big that it actually did have some airtime. Um, I did see they had a, um, I, on eBay, I could have picked up a, a 45 with this track on it. Ooh. So, this did have um, um, airtime. Um, okay. But... What's interesting about it is part of the lyrics is what sets it off, okay? There's part of the lyrics, and the lyrics go, uh, I finally talked to Michael Stipe, but I didn't get to see his car. Him and River Phoenix were leaving on the road tomorrow. Okay, so one of the people who helped on this album added some other stuff to it is Flea from the Red Hot Chili Peppers, okay? So they're all playing at this place in uh, West Hollywood on Sunset Boulevard called the Viper Room. And for those of you who don't know about the Viper Room, the Viper Room is a very, very well-known bar in Hollywood, okay? There's a lot of history. Johnny Depp uh, uh, owned the bar along with uh, Sal Jenko from the band. Um... And I'll, I'll get into the whole history of the Viper right. Room too, um, but what the what the Viper Room is um, one of the one of the big things that happened at the Viper Room was uh, the death of River Phoenix. He um, on uh, I think it was October thirtieth, um, nineteen ninety three. He overdosed um, and died uh, outside the club, out front of the Viper Room, and. 
what was going on at the club. The Viper Room, like I said, Johnny Depp owned it. Uh, Seljenko was uh, somehow involved with it too. Um, and P was playing that night. They mm-hmm. ended up being like, um, I guess you would call them the house band at um, at the Viper Room. So they were always playing there, but they were playing this night. Okay. Mm-hmm. And those lines talking about River Phoenix, how the story goes. I've heard it several different ways. I've heard several different like little variations and things, but I'm going to give it to you at the, the most basic way that I know it. Supposedly P was playing on stage and they were playing that song, Michael Stipe. And while they were playing this song where they're mentioning about River Phoenix, River Phoenix overdosed and was convulsing outside it and, and passed away on the sidewalk outside the club while they were playing this song, which mentions his name. Wow. Yep. It's eerie. That's cr- that's like... And I've seen this story several different places, so I don't think this is like... When I first heard this story, I was like, that's way too much of a coincidence. Like, I can see how somebody could put it together and like, that's the legend, but I've seen this in several different places, dude, on several different like obscure places, and it's just... It's too it's true crazy. to be real. It's yeah. Like- it's too weird, too perfect. Like it can't be real. Yeah, oh, man. But like, and it's eerie. And I think that adds so much to the song because knowing that, like, you, I, I, I hadn't told you this before you listened to the song. Mm-hmm. So what? How, uh, knowing this now and hearing this after the fact, after you've heard the song, how does that like change it for you? It's eerie because the song is a very. It has a very minor key sad sound to it mm-hmm. so it's like that's already kind of a negative sad song about someone it sounds like it's kind of like they're mourning them when they're singing so the fact that he died during it it's one of those like i don't know if, if i was in this band i don't know if i'd even feel right probably playing the song ever again i wouldn't oh, I, yeah. I, I couldn't I, I couldn't like if that's true maybe you said that they don't tour or they don't come back or they don't they, yeah no they, they had so no, yeah this was their own this is the only thing they ever did so, like, um, but like I said, they, that, they happened in 93. Okay. They okay. were playing together in 93. The album didn't come out until 95. So I don't know exactly when between, you know, when and when it was recorded, but they would have had to have played this after oh, possibly no. he, you know, passed away and this happened. Oh no, I couldn't, I couldn't record this song after. And that. I guess like that whole event, like really like supposedly from what I understand, like really did a number on Johnny and like really fucked him up. Let's see, because... I'm assuming they were friends outside of the yeah, outside yeah. of just as musicians, but then for him to own a bar mm-hmm. or a club in mm-hmm. in uh, Los Angeles where he's frequented mm-hmm. and he's a regular, like they're friends. Yeah, like oh, I don't know. I, I don't. It makes I, like, it more I, real. It makes it more real. It's very. Me. It's very scary. Like there's several like um, there's famous. Uh, there, uh, there's several uh, different like well-known people, um, Sofia Coppola, um, that are mentioned in the song, mm-hmm. and. Um, it just makes it that more real. Like these people are real, and because of because of them being stars and like in hot being movie stars or TV stars, mm-hmm. it's not like oh no, they're bullshitting because they may they may be, but there's that. Well, no, because if they are in that stardom and that caliber of celebrity, they probably could know them, and they probably are friends with other friends. Well, not even just that, but that these people are real people too. These people are just like you and me. Like they're not immortal. You know, when your when your star dies of a drug overdose, it's like fuck. My friend in high school died of a drug overdose. That shit can happen to anybody. I mean, look at what happened with Kurt Cobain. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And all the, all, you know, he was. I mean, he committed suicide. But you know, this type of shit can happen to me. 
if it can happen to them, it can happen to anybody. You know, we, I feel like we always look up to our idols and we always look up to people who are quote unquote famous and like we put them up on a pedestal, but they're, they're people Mm -hmm. just like you and me. And this makes it that more real for that reason. I I didn't think of it that way, but yeah, it's, you know, it's, hits a lot harder than I feel Mm -hmm. just because it's kind of like, because it makes you wonder was the song originally sounding that way? Or is this now their way of grieving over their friend? Yeah, and that too, you know. And it's like, yeah. maybe the song is, sounds like they're mourning because this was a way of mourning. And it's like, I've done that, like, I've never had, I've never written a song over someone that's passed away. Mm-hmm. But, you know, I, you know other bands about people that do, and you see it from musicians, but to see it as just, you, it's very relatable. A lot mm-hmm. of people can relate to it. Yeah. And uh, I don't know. It's just weird, sad, Man. very sad. This was halfway through the album. This was the no. This was this, this was track third, number three. Track number three. Yeah, yeah. No, this is the beginning. This is track number three. Yeah. Man. Yeah. And if you don't like, I said, if you don't know that going in, it's like a completely different song. Yeah. You just kind of take this. You know it. You, I initially took it as someone just kind of picking out, just talking about their friends, or talking about just people, they're yeah. just picking out people, and they're talking about them. But now it's like, ooh. Yeah. It's, you kind of you, you kind of you brought it down. You've kind of brought it down to uh, reality. Reality. Yeah, you're not in the clouds anymore. But anyway, uh, going back to the Viper Room, I feel Viper like you room. can't talk about talk about P without talking about the Viper Room. Mm-hmm. Um, like I said, Johnny Depp and uh, Seljenko co-owned it. Um, I can't remember. I, I don't know if there's anybody else who owned it with them at the time. Um, but the original club uh, uh, was owned by a guy named Anthony Fox. Okay. And this is where shit starts getting really weird, okay? So okay. there was this club originally, before it was the Viper Room, it was known as the Central, okay? okay? And this guy named Anthony Fox owned it. Mm-hmm. It was a guy who played um, regularly at the Central. Um, his name was, uh, okay, well, hang on. Anthony Fox owned it. Okay. Way back in the day, it was known as a different, under a different name, as a different club, Um known as uh, the Melody Room, which was, little fun fact, was owned by gangster Bugsy Siegel in the 1940s. So there's already a lot of, like, history with this This building. is a landmark, this building. Yeah, for, like, underground people of, like, gangster knowledge and, like, the L.A. scene coming up from straight through from its origin. This place is, like, an interesting point on the map to go mm-hmm. see. Um, so anyways... It was owned by Anthony Fox, okay? And this guy named um, Weiss. His name was Chuck E. Weiss. Regularly performed while it was called The Central. Um, and The Central was uh, looked like it was going to be closing down. It was going to be going out of business. So mm-hmm. Chuck E. Weiss, which if I remember correctly, I think he did some work on this album. I think he uh, helped produce it. I can't remember exactly. Uh, but anyway, um, this guy, Weiss, went to Johnny Depp and he mm-hmm. said, hey, dude, you should buy the Central. You should buy the Central and you know open it up under something different. Um, and so Johnny Depp did. He went into business with uh, Seljenko. Like I said, I don't know if there's anybody else and they call it the Viper Room. Okay. Um, now, Anthony Fox... Uh, was the guy who owned the central. So he went into business with them as well, um, under the Viper room. And then 
Uh, this place became very popular because of Johnny Depp. Mm-hmm. Um, it became a regular hangout for a lot of young musicians, actors coming up in Hollywood. You know, Jennifer Aniston hung out there, Jared Leto, Angelina Jolie, uh, Rosario Dawson, Leonardo DiCaprio, and Tobey Maguire. Um, cause they all knew each other. I mm-hmm. mean, Johnny Depp and Leonardo DiCaprio were in, um, what's eating Gilbert grape around this time together, mm-hmm. you know? So it makes sense that these two megastars who are coming up, you know, there might be a little bit of an age difference, but not by much They're they're hanging out together. Um, but what happens is the thing happens with river Phoenix. Okay. And Johnny shut the club down for two weeks after that. Um, I mean, you have to, yeah. you have to, um, but then it just, you know, it went on and um, what happened in the early 2000s um, was there was a lawsuit brought against Depp and some of the other people who were um, running the club and involved with the club uh, by this Anthony Fox um, saying that they were defrauding him out of money and profits, saying that, you know, um, Johnny Depp was cheating him out of millions of dollars. Uh, he was hiding... Um, assets in another company and basically that Depp was just taking advantage of him um so this ended up in this lawsuit he's suing them and are you ready for this 2001 is when this was all happening guess who goes missing and is never heard from ever again Anthony Fox Anthony Fox fuck off so he's just gone disappeared it's never existed never seen again as far as i have seen they have never heard from this guy ever again now i'm not saying johnny depp's involved i'm not saying he knew anything that happened i'm not saying anything did happen but it's just weird that this guy goes missing when he's involved in a lawsuit with some of these powerful people and this was 2001 so this was this was you know on the cusp of um when did he do just before uh just before the parts of the Caribbean movies or at the beginning this of is, all that? This right after he did blow? Uh I can't remember exactly oh, the man. year blow was, but yes, dude. Like yeah. right like that's like when he was get he was he was like getting to see like he was already he was becoming that he was superstar, becoming like, that mega mega star. Yeah. Yeah. Where he was becoming the Johnny Depp we know now. Yeah. Guy just goes missing. Oh, he fucking had some he had all right. Gone. You're not saying Johnny Depp did it. And I'm not saying that it could not have been or it could not have been anybody else involved in the lawsuit. Because like I said, it was Johnny Depp and there were other people who were involved who were getting sued too. So very well could have been somebody else. Something may not have ever happened to this guy. I have no idea. I can't find out any information except that this guy went missing. Was there like a settlement that ever came out? Because what if it was just settlement and it was just... The Don't guy, talk. Anthony Fox, hang on. Anthony Fox right. was found. Well, he was, I'm sorry. Let me go back. He was <laughs> never, never found. found. Oh. He was last seen, from what I understand, with his truck. His truck was found, but he was never found. Oh, so, oh, so it's not like, oh, he just went, he just went under. It's not around, like he it? just, like, was picked up off the earth, but he's missing under so very it's, it's not mysterious just, circumstances. And it's not just. Oh, like, cause what I was thinking was like, well, maybe was there a settlement and just, it was just kind of like, listen, we're going to pay you out everything, but you're now going to be quiet and never exist ever again. No, there was a settlement, but the settlement came later, at least with, on Johnny Depp's end. So his car goes, or he, he goes missing with his vehicle. His truck is found. The money in his bank accounts, the guy's got money. The money in his bank accounts is never touched. 
So it's not. Oh. So it's not like he just like he was living, got away and disappeared. And he's like, I'm just gonna go live someplace quietly. And he's because why would you leave away your money? Yeah, the yeah. So it's not like he not like he just stayed quiet himself. He it's nope, just gone. But 2004, there's a settlement um, on Johnny Depp's end where he um, relinquishes his co-ownership of the club to Anthony Fox's daughter. Okay. Maybe she was investigating some shit. I don't know. Um, but yeah, that's some fucking creepy ass yeah, shit. Yeah, dude, he's just gone. So like this, like I said, like it plays so much into this because, like I said, Sal Jenko is part of this band, and he was a co-owner of, um, from what I understand, of mm-hmm. the Viper Room. I don't know if he was involved in a lawsuit or not, but yeah, the Viper Room is like part of the band. It's like it's, the fifth band member almost. Yeah, they might not be there, but once you know the history and everything behind it, it gives you like a whole different appreciation. Appreciation and like take on this band and this group and these people and like who they were. Like they knew people. These were powerful people. You know? It's it's weird. That's so odd though. Like yeah. the fact that he just disappears and this it's 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 like a landmark where it's got its own history that mm-hmm. you have to define for yourself like you're not just going out of your way like this location is famous in its own right yeah but then it also has it's also famous for a completely different fact and it's connected to a band that is so obscure i think that's one of the best parts of that it is like a fifth member of the band you know if they were constantly there they're the house band it's just it's not like they were they were some giant mega hit band and this is where they played now. No, they were some like tiny underground band. Yeah. Like said, famous friends, people, just friends who wanted to get together and jam out. And, and they had a spot. Fortunately. Yeah. Well, they had a spot besides like mom's garage. I mean, it'd be like Billy Joe Armstrong having a, having a bar for a green day to play while they were yeah. before they hit went big. Yeah. Well, and, and, just... and, and it doesn't like, like I said, they're just friends who wanted to, they already had other shit going on. Mm-hmm. So you don't have the pressure of writing lyrics. So if they wanted to play, they're like, hey, guess what? We're going to play tonight. And it's just because. Yeah. And like at the beginning of this, they didn't know all this other stuff was ever going to happen in their lives. Like all this, like, you know, the front death of their friend, the legal battles with the club where they're playing and is such a huge part of this band. Um, now, I, I lived in Los Angeles for four years. I never went to the Viper I, Room. I was going to ask, did you ever get to go? But I'm oh. a dumbass. I, uh, uh, four years and I never went. And. I tried to go a couple times before I came back to Buffalo, mm-hmm. um, but just couldn't get out, couldn't get there. Oh. And is I, that... from what I understand, there is talks. It was just sold recently last year, and there is talks of closing it down and demolishing it and putting up apartments. I don't know oh. how true that is. I don't know if it's going to happen, but that would be very, very sad in listen, my book. Listen, we have any Vinyl Diver fans out there that have any connections or powers to make, make that not happen? Do that shit. Yeah. Like, for real. That's, That's a favor an, for me and Jim. It's an iconic music staple. Like, don't let that shit go under. Like, I mean, for I've, n- sake, I've never heard of it. And I'm surprised I've never. I don't know why I haven't. Like, I've heard of the Sunset Strip and, like, mm-hmm. those, like, I've heard of those places, but I've never heard of the Viper Room. I don't know yeah. why. I've never. Yeah, there's been. Or like, it's never it, clicked. Johnny Depp, uh, on opening night, after they they, uh, they took control and they redid it and made it the Viper Room, opening night, he invited Tom Penny and the Heartbreakers to come and they played. You know what? Yeah, that's so cool. Yeah, so it's not like this. Like it, it's it's like a uh, 
I mean, it's not in a back alley, but it's like a back alley place, like a small little corner of Hollywood history. But it's like attached to all this like other like well-known stuff, but nobody really knows about it. You know, it's funny. I might not have heard about it or knows the history. You're you're from Buffalo in this area. Yeah. You know, it reminds me of from how you're describing it for Buffalo, Mohawk Place. Never been. You've never been to Mohawk Place? No. It's like one of the most iconic venues in like Buffalo, but it's not big and flashy. It's like hole in the wall. Just that's where all the bands up and coming, they all go through there. And there's the regular bands that always play shows. And it's just this long stretch. Hmm. And dude, next time there's a show, we're going to have to go out there to go watch them. Yeah. Me and Chris, I, I saw um, Mustard Plug there a couple of weeks or a couple months ago. Phenomenal. But it's like so tiny and small. And it's got such a history of every fucking band has played there kind of like when you think of like the palladium in los angeles yes when you think of like those like every band that became big went through there every big band that was out in that direction went through there every fucking band that's come through buffalo they've ever every small they all played there kind of like nietzsche's downtown and allen like yeah so many like uh bands that played through there i told to be i wish i well, I guess maybe I don't know it. If maybe there's history of a band or something that's connected like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That'd be kind of cool. But yeah, dude, the Viper Room. Never man. been. There. I, okay, let me rephrase this. I've never seen a show there. I have been outside on the Sunset Strip, outside the club, but mm-hmm. I've never been inside the club. I would love to go out there to check that out. Yep. I was actually there last year on Halloween night. Well, yeah. Yeah, Halloween night. Oh. Yep. What was your costume? I was a pirate, but, but yeah, I was a pirate. <laughs> that's, that's, that's funny on many levels there. See, and it's West Hollywood and West Hollywood, you know, is West Hollywood and they have this great phenomenal, you know, Halloween fucking bash that goes on out there. They like shut the streets down and everybody's out there hanging out and having a good time. And, uh, and then, you know, right down the strip is where this happened all those years ago. That unless you went out of your way to learn about P. Well, I, I, well, not never... just P, but you know, well, I mean, the history of the history of, of the Viper Room in general. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. Which then, you know, I said they're a the house band for a long time. Man, yeah. dude, that's a great album. Thank you so much for yeah, that. Yeah, dude. Yeah, anytime. Uh, anytime. We're, we're gonna just take a quick commercial break before we say goodbye, and uh, let's put a commercial in right here. All right, we're back. Uh, everyone, thank you so much, uh, Jim. Thank you so much for coming on. Do you have any projects or anything that you're you want to promote that you are working or is it just hanging really. hang? All right. Not really. I'm writing, but right, nothing's man. like coming yet. So right. I'll keep you posted. Keep you posted. Mm-hmm. You're welcome back. Thank whenever you. you're ready to talk about some more albums. Uh yeah. let me dig know. through my uh through my uh my vinyl. And... His thing is I didn't know you were a vinyl guy before. Oh yeah. Now I that did. I know that you're a vinyl guy mm-hmm. and now you're in town, I know we're gonna all have to go out diving for some music. Yeah. Yeah, like and... I was telling you earlier about this uh, this place I go to. Oh, on, um, yeah. Delaware uh, in the city of Tonawan. It's called M&B Record Exchange. Great place. Great place. I mean, the guy's just, the guy knows his customer service. He's That's a awesome. great guy. He's... I think, I think he's, um, pretty sure his name is Bob. Don't Bob. quote me, but he's a great guy. Great shop. All right. Good, I'll check it out good, there. Good shit in there. I remember one time I went in. Okay, quick story, real All quick. Right, sweet. Real quick. No, we're good. I went in and I was looking through their Beatles albums, and they had a uh, a copy of um, fuck, what was it? What's the name of the title? I'm sure, Chris knows it. Uh, What's the album look like? Well, hang on. There's two uh, versions of the cover. 
very first version. It was yesterday and today or something like that, I think, or, or yesterday something. It was a an album where they had a bunch of their already released songs on, but mm-hmm. it was just a, like a compilation album. But the first one was a picture of all four members of the band, and they had cut up baby dolls and like body parts of these baby dolls, and they were going to release the album like this, and they printed up the sleeves, and there was this big outcry and backlash. So what they did was they took all the albums back, and they took another picture of all four of them and put it on a giant sticker and pasted it over the albums. Right and and sent it out. So a few copies of this offensive cover did get out, and people do have this, and it's a very very rare collector's item. Okay, and he was telling me he had an, a copy of it come through his shop, and he said he put it up online, and it went for like over six hundred dollars. Yeah. Oh, shit. Yeah. All right. So he's that kind of shop where he's got the obscure like oh sometimes sometimes it depends catch. it depends it's hit or miss it's hit or miss what comes through but i mean that's with every shop but yeah you're 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 going to go in you're going to find your fucking gems man i mean yeah they're probably going to know what they're going to have what they have so you're paying a pretty penny but you're going to find those gems nice yeah. i can't wait to see what i find there yeah dude well man it's been a great episode uh great album p self titled by p mhm and man give great. it a listen to if you can find it yeah uh guys had the way we found it, the way I found it is YouTube. It's got the, um, how to describe it? The, um, the Pablo Picasso P character throwing some dice with his, uh, his teeth clenched. It's like this pastel chalk, too. It's beautiful. I, I want to hit a print of that, actually. But you can find that, guys. Uh, until next week. See ya.